Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Starts now. Hello. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Let's Go There on Channel Q, where we catch you up on the news of the day, pop culture, our lives, and so much more. We sure do. And I mean, it's pretty entertaining. It is. We have our moments. I think so. I mean, but that's us. I mean, right. We always are going to think that we're more entertaining than we actually are. That's true. (laughs) Actually, sometimes I don't think I'm entertaining. Really? When the music stops. (laughs) When have you thought that? I've never known you to think that. Yeah, that was weird. I can be hard on myself. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's kind of annoying when you do it. But I understand it. You know, you got to have grace and space for your friend. Or you also, it's because you say to me that was bad. Oh, yeah, that's also true. (laughs) (laughs) That's also true. You know, we got to also be honest with our people around us. You know, I expect you to be just as honest with me as I am with everyone else in this room. That is true, I hope. Although when I try to be, sometimes I'm like, does he want this honesty right now? I always want it. I always say I want it. I always want it. Uh, well, it just needs to make sense. Okay. Oh, so you're going to judge my commentary and feedback. That's exactly what Well, yeah, it needs to make sense, right? Like, I, I, I don't sound crazy. Um, no, it has don't. to have context. Yes, that's true. It's April 8th, which means it's National Empanada Day. Did you really just change our really great conversation lovers day. to throw it to Empanada Day and Zoo Lovers? I'm just saying for the Zoo we Lovers. We were having out a great there. conversation. <laughs> You know that? Wow. It's over now. Well, we have three, uh, four hours to continue. No, it's fine. It's it's a done deal. We'll talk about this off air. We're starting the show off really great. Oh, my God. (laughs) Who wants to be our therapist? Slide into our DMs. We don't need a therapist. We we, we want to go to couples therapy. We don't need a therapist. That's what all people who need therapy say. (laughs) It's so true. So coming up on the show... As schools open up, what our public school system should look like for the LGBTQIA students and their families. Uh, plus, what to do if a colleague is stealing your ideas? That's at 3.25 p.m. Pacific, 6.25 p.m. Wow, Eastern. it's happening. <laughs> I told you, therapy right here. Let's get into so much training this hour, though. We're so silly. Yep. President Biden announced an executive action around gun control today. We're going to give you more on that and what he said in 10 minutes with Politico. But right now, here's what VP Kamala Harris had to share. I have seen gun violence up close. I've looked at autopsy photographs. I've seen with my own two eyes what a bullet can do to the human body. I've held hands with the hands of parents who have lost a child. I have seen children who were traumatized by the loss of a parent or sibling. And I have fought my entire career to end this violence and to pass reasonable gun safety laws. Time and again, as progress has stalled, we have all asked, what are we waiting for? Because we aren't waiting for a tragedy, I know that. We've had more tragedy than we can bear. We aren't waiting for solutions either, because the solutions exist. They already exist. Again, that's VP Kamala Harris at the gun control press conference that the administration had today. We are going to be talking more about that, and we're going to break down what they proposed in uh, 10 minutes. Now, this is so sad. Uh, Law enforcement officials confirmed that former NFL cornerback 
Philip Adams shot and killed a local doctor, Robert Leslie, his wife, two grandchildren, and an employee in Rock Hill, South Carolina yesterday before later turning the gun on himself. Adams, who had been treated by Leslie, took his own life with a .45 caliber weapon early this morning, according to AP. Police are still investigating a motive behind the shootings. But that is just horrible and tragic. And again, connected to uh, gun control, unfortunately. Yeah. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? So, you know, let's talk Bridgerton, uh, because Bridgerton's uh, reggae John Page has been all over the headlines, and this time it is not because of the hit Netflix show. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So... We all know that he is leaving the hit show, which is really, really sad. We're still mourning. Um, well, uh, the Hollywood Repo- uh, Reporter published an interview with actor Ray Fisher. Now, he's been in the headlines because he had some allegations um, against the Justice League director, Joss Whedon, who has been accused of racist and sexual um, sexist behavior. Now, Geoff Johns, the former co-chairman of D- uh, DC Films, who has a, uh, was also a producer on the movie, was also named in this interview because... Because Ray Fisher revealed that he heard all this other problematic behavior, uh, including that they passed on reggae being cast in sci-fi's Krypton television series because reggae, uh, reggae is black. So that news is coming out. It's okay. a lot there, right? Well, I guess reggae auditioned for this role to play Superman's grandfather. But Johns, uh, who was overseeing the project, said that Superman could not have a black grandfather. Here's the thing. Uh-huh. I didn't even know racism existed on a fictional alien planet or race in general. So it just makes no sense to me why there's all these stipulations on who could play who, especially when it's fake. Um, but the whole point mm-hmm. of this is uh, reggae John, uh, John Page is finally speaking out after hearing the conversation. Uh, he said, hearing about these conversations hurts no less now than it did back then. The clarifications almost hurt more, to be honest. Still just doing my thing. Still we do the work. We still fly. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, what can you really do with that information just to kind of confirm everything that you know is happening in this world? Yeah, that there are biases and racist uh, decisions being made uh, by people who are creating these um, rules around what they think is the right thing to do and wrong or like casting, right? Yeah. And I mean, he has so many things. He's an amazing actor. He has so many things coming up. He doesn't even need this series. But I will say they uh, released the number of how much they were offering him uh, to come back on season two just to do two oh, or three episodes. What? $50,000 per episode. And he still said no. Girl, bye. I mean... <laughs> I mean, that's 150 k You can buy at your house money. for that. But he has other deals, and I completely understand. So that's your T-Report. I got nice. more coming up next hour. It's nice to be choosy to be in that place. I mean, he deserves it. He's yeah, a, he's totally. He's a great actor. Now coming up on the show, President Biden announced new executive actions on gun control, what he wants to implement. Politico joins us for that next. Gun violence in this country is an epidemic. Let me say it again. Gun violence in this country is an epidemic, and it's an international embarrassment. That was President Biden at a news conference today where he unveiled several new executive actions, his first steps on gun control. Anita Kumar joins us right now, who serves as a White House correspondent and associate editor for Politico. Thanks for joining us for this. Thanks for having me. So what did you think about this announcement Well, I think that it was something that advocates had been asking for for a long time. Remember, back in the campaign, uh, he had talked about having a plan on day one. And obviously, we're almost into the third month here. And uh, advocates that want gun restrictions had been getting very impatient. So it's something that they had been waiting for. Um, And as you indicated, this is just the first step. And we expect there to be uh, more actions as we go forward yeah because i was wondering that i'm happy that you brought up the promises that he kind of made as a candidate because it does feel like it is taking him some time but um at this point i do want to know though what are ghost guns because i felt like that was coming up and i was like what does that even mean (laughs) a lot of people didn't didn't really understand what that is you know obviously that's not the real name it's the name uh, given to these sort of homemade guns and it's not sort of you in your own house 
It's you can buy a kit to make a gun online or in a store. And they don't have serial numbers on them. And the serial number is what regulates it. So what's happening here is that you can buy these without a background check that you normally have to have for a gun. And so this would, what he's saying is he wants the you know, buyers to now have to go through a background check. That's essentially what this would do. And also, what else did he talk about in terms of gun control? What are the first steps? Let's get into those details. Yeah, he's really asking the Department of Justice to do a couple things. We talked about ghost guns. He also wants to regulate um, what are called concealed assault style firearms. They're basically rifles, but not regulated as rifles uh, because of just the way that the system has been set up. And he wants them to go, people to have to go through more rigorous um, background checks before they can get them. And why this is coming up now is that this is the kind of gun that was used in Boulder, Colorado, a couple weeks ago during that mass shooting. Um, some of the other things he's looking at, or as he is talking to or asking the Department of Justice to provide states with legislation that they could use if they if they so desire um, on what they call red flag legislation. Those that would permit courts to order the temporary removal of firearms from a person who is considered a danger to themselves or others. Well, it does feel like this is going to be a contentious point for uh, Democrats and Republicans. Are we going to see them kind of come together? Are we going to see Republicans really push back? We've already seen Republicans push back hard, saying that the president is overreaching, that this is a job for Congress. He shouldn't be doing this. Um, We've heard from gun rights groups at the NRA and some others uh, talking about how this isn't right either. And I would expect possibly him to get sued in court over some of these items. So this will not get passed, even though it's an executive action. Like what's going to happen now? Well, no, he'll continue on and the Department of Justice is going to start. But what happens often, not just for President Biden, but previous presidents is they put something into action and then someone sues and then it's tied up in the courts. So we don't really know what the end result will be or how long it will take until the courts decide. I mean, we've seen some of those cases go all the way to the Supreme Court. But for the for the time being, the Department of Justice is going to start these uh, actions. Yeah, I guess we're expected to see uh, him nominate David Chapman as the next director of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives. What would David really be doing for this? Why is he such a, a pick for the president? Yeah, this is a really, really interesting pick. We don't really hear, you know, the ATF nominee name very often, but it's really interesting because he's the first person who's sort of coming from the gun control side. He, after being a longtime ATF agent, he worked for three different um, organizations that were really pushing for gun restrictions. He currently works at Giffords, the, um, you know, very prominent uh, group that's been lobbying to have gun restrictions. So people are saying this is going to change the culture. It's going to be more about gun control at ATF, and they've never really done that. I expect some Republicans and uh, you know, maybe even some conservative Democrats might come out against him. Okay, well, thank you so much again for being with us today. Sure, thanks for having me. That was Anita Kumar, who serves as a White House correspondent and associate editor for Politico. Next up on the show, we keep hearing about the coronavirus variants. We break down how it will define the next phase of the pandemic. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As we're approaching the light at the end of the pandemic tunnel, many experts are warning of the variants. So that means we're not approaching <laughs> well, the light. you know, <laughs> it's like a dimmer, <laughs> dimming, flickering light. So do we actually need to worry about them, including if we are vaccinated? Well, joining us right now is Lenny Bernstein, who covers health and medicine for The Washington Post, who wrote about this topic. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me on. Uh, so is it something to be concerned about or... Is it just like the COVID we all know, but different, and it won't matter if we have the vaccine? I would not get too concerned about it right now for one simple reason. Right now, it appears that the vaccines that we have work very well on the most prevalent variant, the, the United Kingdom version. Uh, it knocks that the vaccines seem to protect us from that just as well as they do from the original form of the coronavirus. And with the other two variants, the drop-off is not terribly steep. They are still 
pretty darn good at protecting us. So it's something to watch, but I don't think it's something to get too upset about right now. I don't know. That's what they said about COVID. And then look where we're at now. But I do wonder, because this variant originated in the United Kingdom. And I think what everyone wonders is how does it go from the United Kingdom to the United States? Because now it accounts for like 27 percent of all of the cases in this country. So I just always wonder, do we know how that happened? It's largely travel. Um This is one of the reasons that people are very concerned about the Brazilian variant, because, as you know, Brazil is just inundated with the P1 variant. Uh, There's not much vaccination going on down there. And, you know, these coronaviruses are not um, restricted to a country. This is a worldwide problem. Uh, The original coronavirus, of course, came from Wuhan. Um, Once it breaks out in one place, it is going to find its way to another If you can think all the way back to a year ago, it seems like 100 years ago. But, you know, we had all that quarantining and we tested people we were bringing back over from Wuhan. It doesn't make a difference. These are viruses and they're going to spread. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, definitely something to take note of. So I guess how will this define the next phase of the pandemic if you're saying we don't really need to be concerned? Because we will now be tracking and responding to um, outbreaks in spots around the United States. So Michigan, Cape Cod, New Jersey, places where the United Kingdom variant is prevalent in greater numbers are now saying we should be getting a larger share of the vaccine. That's not the policy that we've been following. Mm. Policy has been population-based, and everybody gets, every state gets its vaccine allotment generally based on population. But what if you have a breakout of a particular kind of variant in a particular place? There's a good argument to be made that that place should get extra vaccine, and that's what some of these locations are starting to say is that they need more vaccine than the other places that are not seeing these variants as much. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And we're going to be uh, talking more about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in a bit on the show, because it seems like there's a lot of that. uh, So that's coming up. But Lenny Bernstein, thanks for joining us uh, again for the show. Of course, Lenny Bernstein covers health and medicine for The Washington Post. Have a great night. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Next up on the show, former VP Mike Pence just snagged a seven-figure book deal. What his book could look like. We get into that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Former VP Mike Pence snagged a seven-figure book deal with Simon & Schuster. And as you can imagine, there are a lot of jokes floating around about this announcement. Um, Some critics suggested titles for Pence's upcoming autobiography. It's going to be coming out in 2023. It will chronicle his journey from a small town in Indiana to Washington, D.C., according to their release. Uh, So one person joked about the memoir saying, I did it his way because of his complicity uh, in Donald Trump's White House. Another person joked, it'll be a downloadable PDF as there's no chance it has a spine. (laughs) Get it? So do you think um, for people that possibly like being involved with a problematic administration like Trump's, is it right or wrong for Schuster, Simon Schuster to do a book deal like this? Do you think they're going to get backlash? I think they already are. I've been seeing people already kind of come at them. Um, in ways because I think they're doing it differently like they're not even letting like press really into the deals that are happening or even into the bidding wards that are happening um, because it's making a ton of money Kelly uh, what's her name Kellyanne Kellyanne Conway she has a book coming out and oh. it's way over uh, a million dollars in negotiations right now and I believe did you say did you say anything related to Mike Pence because I don't want to repeat well yeah the Mike Pence book deal yeah we're talking how about much it. I know I know oh we talk- didn't say the I it's, was like oh, I'm talking <laughs> I'm like, I no no like, <laughs> no the number I, know, I didn't say uh well, there oh, is no, a yeah, number seven figures. Yeah, but... well, it's like yeah, it's like three point five. But now it's supposed to it's supposed to be what? over that at this point, uh, and that's coming from reporters that I follow online as well. And so, I I think the really sad thing about this is that the fact that these people can be so controversial and can be like so at the heart and root of all of our problems in this country, and then they just potentially get rewarded for it. 
uh, by telling that story and like talking about their own lives, like people care. And they and who even knows if people are gonna buy the book? It's just they're getting this huge payout and basically a huge reward for all the crappy behavior that they did and put in for these past four years. It's really disgusting. It reminds me a bit uh, of Sean Spicer, right? And how afterward, Dancing with the Stars, SNL. It was like, do you remember this guy? Well, it's the press tour. What you were saying about him like a few months ago. It's the literal press tour when you start to see, and they try to humanize them, right? They try to humanize Kellyanne Conway when they put her, uh, her and her daughter on American Idol and you see that little family moment. They humanize him by get, putting him in some salsa dancing pants and get him do the tango on Dancing with the Stars. Like, I don't want to see these people, in all honesty, succeed because they don't deserve it. They really do not deserve it. But, you know, it's it's the name of the game. It's capitalism. That is true. And by the way, these companies, these publishing companies, it's not, it isn't the name. They do their research. They know uh, the data around what that book will get and who will buy it buy it. They're smart. They're not going to just drop that, including in the publishing industry. It's not like the thriving. It's like not like Bitcoin. That's because they do their research. I mean, but that's the thing. They do that research and they don't care who their, their consumer is or their buyer is. They just, they <laughs> just start like, whatever, we'll go to the bottom of the barrel and get those people. As we just wrap this up, can I just say a tweet that was really funny? Title of the Mike Pence book, The Day My Boss Tried to Kill Me. Oh, that is funny. Mike Pence should title his book da- Dangerously Bland. Uh, and there's so many more. So, yeah, uh, that's happening. The first book title, Why Did People Hate My Boss? The second book title, How I Dodged the Execution. Okay, that's it. Let us know what you think about the Mike Pence book. Will you be snagging it at LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media? But coming up on the show, Vladimir Putin just officially banned same-sex marriage in Russia. That's next on What's Trending. Coming up on the show today, as schools are reopening, what our public schools should look like for the LGBTQIA students and their families. That's coming up in 15 minutes. And on the North Carolina bill that would force school staffers to out trans kids. We're going to be breaking that down. What's actually happening also um, later in the show. But uh, first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. It's the ninth day of the Derek Chauvin trial for the murder of George Floyd. Uh, Dr. Martin Tobin, award-winning pulmonology expert, testified today on how Chauvin's actions caused Floyd's asphyxiation. Officer Chauvin's left knee is virtually on the neck for the vast majority of the time. And uh, and when you say vast majority, are you able to... It's more than 90% of the time in my calculations. There's certain times where it becomes difficult because you don't get a good... And a forensic toxicologist testimony also challenged claims by Chauvin's lawyer that George Floyd overdosed on fentanyl. So a lot working against the defense right now. Now, Russian President Vladimir Putin formally enacted a series of anti-LGBTQ plus amendments banning marriage equality and transgender adoptions and centering a belief in God as a core value of the country. The homophobic and transphobic amendments were passed last July, actually, in a referendum, with over 77% of voters casting their ballots in support of the measures. And according to a report in the AP, the new rules also reset Putin's term limits as president, meaning he can serve an additional two six-year terms in office. Two six-year terms. This guy is not going away. The amendments passed specifically ban marriage equality and adoption by transgender folks. Uh, so that's really sad coming out of Russia. So we are sending our love to all of the community over there. I can't even imagine what that's like. And I'm, I can't imagine living in Russia. It's crazy. This is where I'm like, where is the kind of United Nations or someone to come in and call these folks out uh, for what they are doing to their people? This is not right. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's take a trip down memory lane. Mm. Um, everyone remember Danielle Brigoli, a.k.a. Bad Baby. You know that redhead girl from Dr. Phil? Well, she is calling him out, and it's 
kind of interesting. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So the infamous 2016 talk show guest clapped back after Dr. Phil denied any involvement in the treatment of kids sent to Turnabout Ranch in Utah. It's a facility uh, that uh, the 18-year-old rapper, she has been describing as abusive. Here's actually a little bit of this YouTube clip of her reacting to a recent uh, interview that Dr. Phil gave talking about her in the situation. Here is that. Prepare yourselves. It, whatever happens once they're there, uh, that's between them and the and the facility. He just said he's not involved in any treatment facility I go to. Are you f***ing nuts? Are you actually f***ing nuts? I'm really trying to keep my composure, but these two are really not making it easy. My mother signed a consent of release of information to send progress reports directly from Turnabout to the Dr. Phil show. So when you say you don't have any feedback from them, that is not true. Whoa. <laughs> so, you know, she has been very vocal about this whole entire thing. And she actually, she has one supporter in Paris Hilton, who also claims to have been abused at a similar Utah facility for trouble use. There's something happening with the trouble teen, the teen, like the trouble teen industry, where a lot of them are kind of being called out for their tactics and a lot of the systems that they use. And Dr. Phil is a part of this because he often sends those bad kids that come on his show and he recommends them to um, to these schools. And so they go to these schools and then they have these um, situations like Danielle's talking about here. And um, TMZ basically is reporting that um, Danielle has been in contact with uh, Paris and they've kind of tried to figure out some type of way of spreading awareness about Paris's campaign called Breaking Code Silence. It's an organization advocating for survivors from these type of facilities. So I don't know what's happening, but Danielle is most definitely always going to continue to be very outspoken about it. That's for sure. Yeah. If I was Dr. Fell, I would start an investigation right now. Well, I don't know. Apparently, he's, uh, you know, allegedly they're saying that he's in on it. And that's the reason why oh. he is not, you know, taking it as seriously. Right. And that's what she's explaining in this nine minute video on her YouTube page. He's about probably the getting receipts. some money from this place also. Uh, right? I don't know. But Dr. Phil better figure it out before he's off the, the TV. I don't know. There's something about these doctors that are on TV that are just creepy. are a little weird that they always call about from Dr. Phil to Dr. Also, Drew to Dr. Oz. Why is it all men? Why is at all these like where I mean besides Dr. Ruth like the old one woman that talks about sex all the time not she old what not she old uh, yeah. she is old she is really old <laughs> but like why is it that no one has a talk show no women who are doctors have talk shows I mean there was a show called The Doctors where I think it was yeah, a panel it was a group of, doctors. of doctors but I meant like a leading woman anyway I don't know, Sheer. I, you know, I'm just trying to figure this out for Danielle. <laughs> One thing at a time. If you want to know more about this uh, story, please head over to WeAreChannelQ.com. And, of course, keep the conversation going at LGT Show. Do y'all like Dr. Phil still? Is anyone even watching his show? Let us know. That's your tea report. I'm done spilling. Next up on the show, what Los Angeles schools are planning to do for their LGBTQIA students once schools reopen. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Schools will be reopening and teachers are coming together to set new standards for how they approach teaching in this new post-COVID era. Cecily Meyer-Cruz joins us right now, United Teachers of Los Angeles president. She is also the first black woman elected president to lead the union. Amazing. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so tell us a bit more about UTLA and how it works as it relates to these new school, the uh, reopenings coming up. Sure. Uh, UTLA um, is member led. It's 35,000 members strong. Um, and we have, you know, about 60 job classifications. So we have everybody from uh, general ed teachers to special ed, teacher librarians, psychologists, PSAs, psychiatric social workers, counselors. Uh, we have deaf and hard of hearing teachers, itinerants, and the list goes on. 
Yeah, I, and I, I always think it's really interesting because we have these really big conversations, especially towards everything that's going on in the pandemic about, you know, teachers feeling not comfortable to even return to school yet, especially because it's not safe, you know? How are they feeling now, and, and what are you doing as a union to make sure the, the teachers involved are, are feeling 100% confident about returning to school? Yes, you know, public education, as we begin to, you know, come back to schools, schools have not been closed. Um, our educators have been doing a yeoman's job uh, throughout this pandemic, um, really pushing crisis distance learning. But now we have to look toward a new normal, and that new normal should be laser focused on ensuring that all of our classrooms are equitable. And what we mean by that is having, you know, equitable neighborhood public schools should have well-equipped educators, manageable class sizes, that they're well-resourced with wraparound services to actually meet um, emotional and social and health needs of our students. And that the school buildings themselves need to be modernized to ensure that safety and science are the standard and not a luxury. Definitely. I mean, that's a lot to do. It's needed and it's a lot. So what is the union pitching, at least for the, those first steps to start the path to getting there? Right. And so, I mean, you know, I think it really started with our strike in 2019, really calling to mind, you know, really for the country to take a look at what teachers are doing on a daily basis. Um, working in, you know, classrooms, and like we said, they, they're not modernized, right? Ventilation systems are, are not up to, weren't up to par, not having a nurse in every uh, school, having larger class sizes uh, where you have, you know, kids in some areas, you know, very low-income areas having to run to class to ensure themselves having a seat in an actual classroom. That should not be normal. That should not be acceptable by anyone's standards. So what are public schools uh, and what do they look like for the LGBTQIA students and their families, especially returning back and I'm hoping creating a safer space for them? Um, And, you know, we are a queer station, so I think that's really important for us. Yes, and it's definitely very important uh, for me. Um, you know, as a 26-year classroom teacher, um, I have seen students struggle with their identity at a very young age. Uh, refusing them acceptance is dangerous and a huge disservice. As educators, we need to provide resources and materials in our classroom that actually represent our students. Uh, This pandemic has been jarring for everyone, especially our LGBTQ plus plus students and, you know, searching for identity, acceptance and love during this horrific pandemic is just unconscionable. So we do need to have uh, queer studies. We do need to have ethnic studies that actually affirms the students' experiences as, as it were. And uh, that's what we need in our classrooms. And we definitely need to be leading with love and empathy and compassion. Definitely. You said it. That Sounds like they're in good hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Cecily Myart cruz who's the president of the United Teachers of Los Angeles Union. Thanks again for being here and for the work you're doing. Thank you. And thank you all for the work you're doing. Appreciate it. Thank you. Now, Khloe Kardashian is getting uh, candid with her followers about her body image struggles. This comes after uh, this picture started circulating around social media that was unedited and unauthorized by her and her team. Her team actually worked very hard to take this down. The picture, it looks like it was someone who knew her because she's literally standing there in a bikini and she just looks like a regular, beautiful young woman, right? But... They weren't as it seems filtered Y'all are around as the same age. She's thirty six. Oh well, she looks much younger. You know, shows what I need to do. 
Well, I'm a young woman. Yeah, you're a young woman. That's what a I was. Fellow young that's woman. That's why I was saying that. Anywho, you be speaking from the like the youth, the age of 67 sometimes. Listen, and I'd be like, what old soul? <laughs> so uh, here's the thing. So it brought up a big debate because a lot of folks, I would say specifically women, what I saw at least on social media, were saying like, this is the reason that women have these complexes. That you take down a picture that makes you look just like normal. You should have let that stay up because that's you. While she's talking about it, she says she's had a lot of real issues around herself, specifically as it relates to her other sisters being compared to them all the time, being the ugly one, the fat one, quote unquote, which is what she said. And she said, you know, it's what society has said. Exactly. And it's really her choice as to whether she what picture she wants up there or not. It's not up to us. How I choose to look is my choice, she said. And so do you think that she's part of the problem or we're all part of the problem. Yes, yeah, so I have a uh yeah, I have some thoughts about this because I'm on to be quite honest, I'm on Chloe's side. I think it's absolutely disgusting how the media has always treated her, um especially when comparing her to obviously Kim or her other sisters in the family. Um and I think the reason why she's going through all of this trouble and her team is going through all of this trouble is because of all the, the terrible things that people have said about her on social media. So the, people were complaining specifically that there was like, uh, you know, copyright emails coming to them and, and saying like, oh my God, I just got this email from her team saying I need to take this down or there'll be legal actions. And it's just like... Yeah, because y'all are sharing it and doing so maliciously because you know that she is going to be uncomfortable because of all the negative things that are being said about her. And my thing is, people can choose to do what they want with their bodies. I don't know why we are so focused on other people's stuff. It is just really mind-boggling to me. And that's what creates the narrative of her feeling insecure and all these negative things about herself instead of loving herself because of what everyone is coming at her with. And I mean, yeah, you could say, well, she's privileged. She has all of these things. This is the least that she could worry about, but this is still a very real issue. And if she wasn't as strong as she is, what if she committed suicide or something? What if something negative happened where she, I mean, you seriously, these are real things that people go through and we really should be um, careful with how we really talk about folks. Yeah, it's not up to us to judge other people's struggles, right? Just because someone is rich or you think they have and you know they have maybe a quote-unquote better life than you doesn't diminish what they're going through and that is actually gaslighting right and and the more we start judging people and saying you don't have the right to feel this way that creates a really messed up society because we each have the right to feel the way we each feel because we live our lives like no you don't know what's happening behind the scenes you don't know what that person has gone through what we need more of yes is compassion grace and space what What's really interesting in this case is I see a lot of women who are very the pro-female, girl power women who want us to all feel good in our bodies talking about how she made the wrong move, which is kind of interesting because it's like you're not really getting it then. Well, actually, I want to tease a little something because we're going to talk about one of those women who are speaking out about her usage of filters that Chloe does, uh, Katie Couric. We're going to talk about that in the T-Report coming good, up in, because, in the next yeah. couple of minutes. And I'm like, also, it's easy to make fun of someone who does a lot to their fa- to their face or their body. Who cares? I, I don't. But yeah, there, but there has been or uses filters, right? We, You know, oh, I my God. We all do, yeah, right? but that's the thing. So my thing is, and what I'm even trying to tell myself is w- catching myself when I'm judging someone. Oh yeah, because you be yeah. judging. What you be saying? No, catching myself when I'm saying what that because say? in the end, maybe I don't use the, uh, a crazy filter, but I use a filter. And you know what? What's a crazy filter? You know, so, there's levels of filters. Oh. But I'm just saying, she catch yourself and watch yourself. How you're judging yourself, how you're judging <laughs> others around these things. We're all part of the problem, right? If you see a problem, Shira. you're probably part of it. <laughs> Oh Let us know what you think about all of this at LGT Show. Coming up, we've got What's Trending This Hour. There's a shooting that just happened in Texas. We're bringing you more details on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to Let's Go There. We're here for you live 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern weekdays on Channel Q. Coming up in this hour, of course, we got some great music, but also some news and some great stories to inform and educate and entertain. We're going to be getting into the long-term mental health support COVID survivors will need and what the country's going to do to support all of them or all of you, if you're listening and you 
got COVID. And is your colleague taking credit for your work? Well, we're here to help with some tips in 30 minutes. That sounded very pointed. That's who I am. (laughs) Shira Pointed Lazar at your service. Oh, God. I know we have some breaking news. Yes, unfortunately, one person has been killed and at least five others wounded, uh, four of them critically, in a shooting at an industrial park in Bryan, Texas this afternoon. A trooper with the Texas Department of Public Safety was shot while pursuing a suspect, the department tweeted, and is in serious but stable condition. One person was later taken into custody in nearby Grimes County, and that was uh, from the sheriff who told that to CNN adding the incident may be connected to the industrial park shootings. There's a lot going on. We'll keep you updated as that comes out today. But of course, ironically, that's very much connected to what President Biden was talking about earlier today. He announced an executive action on gun control, and he's calling on the Congress uh, to enact a number of gun reforms, including banning assault weapons, eliminating gun manufacturer immunity, requiring background checks for guns bought at gun shows, and uh, reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act, among other things. And three North Carolina Republican lawmakers introduced a bill Monday that would prevent doctors from performing gender confirmation surgery for transgender people younger than 21. The legislation follows a nationwide trend we're seeing of GOP-controlled state legislators looking to limit treatments for transgender adolescents. Unlike other states, however, North Carolina would classify adults between the ages of 18 and 21 as minors under what they're calling the Youth Health Protection Act. This is weird and very dystopian. Yep. Medical professionals who would facilitate any of these procedures could have their license revoked and face civil fines of up to $1,000 per occurrence. The measure also bars doctors from providing gender-confirming hormone treatment, puberty blockers, or surgery, and also would force or encourage state employees to immediately notify parents in writing if their child displays what they're saying is gender nonconformity or expressing a desire to be treated in a way that is not compatible with the gender they were assigned at birth. Uh, This also follows a really difficult week as Arkansas lawmakers vetoed their governor and are the first state in the nation to ban gender-confirming treatments or surgery for transgender youth under 18. But hopefully that will get brought to the Supreme Court. But that was what's trending this hour. Please bring us something better in the entertainment news, Ryan. Yeah, for sure. We actually just finished talking about the whole Khloe Kardashian situation. And um, I found this story about Katie Couric. And she actually has something to say. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Katie is weighing in on the whole controversy surrounding this whole unedited photo of Khloe Kardashian that was posted to social media earlier this week without her permission. Um, and her response. So she commented on the photo that Court, uh, not Courtney, but Chloe had posted, praising her for her raw and honest post. But she did have this to say. She said, "I agree." She said, "But I agree with those who say the nonstop procedures and constant filters are promoting unre- unrealistic and harmful beauty standards." And I wanted to know, do we agree with that? Is is Chloe and Courtney and all the Kardashians when they post the photos, is it is it really going towards these, you know, promoting this unrealistic and harmful beauty standard? Oh, here's the thing. Good good on them. They look hot. However, what happens is they spend a good amount of money for good reason. They have the money too. It takes up it's a lot of upkeep to look like that. Let's be clear. And then you have these youngins, and the youngin, I use that word again, but you have other people who are not at that level, don't have that money, wanting to keep up, and that is a lot to keep up with. And but so whose it is, thought is I, that? Is I think it, it's both. It I think it's, or is it it's a just... relationship. We have a toxic relationship with each other. I think the, the thing is, is in the end, they know their platform, they know their reach, they want to look good. Because they know people are following them, and they're on an international level, right? Like, they're, they're uh, looked at, they're in the spotlight. So then we put them on a pedestal and then we say, well, F you for making us want to look like you, but we put you on the pedestal. You see how that's like a weird, toxic dynamic? Yeah, but they didn't ask to be in that dynamic. 
Well, they kind of did getting an Ishan wanting more keeping up the Kardashians. But that's, that, that's them you, and their you career. Also, well, I think we're up. blaming we're no, blaming them we for wanting to do up. whatever to their wait, bodies. No, no, wait, you just had a full-on moment. Uh-huh. Let me get my piece. Thank you. Um, literally, we blame them for doing whatever they wanted to do career-wise and then us putting those standards and, and us doing that to them and saying, oh, we want to have those bodies too. We want to do all these things too. When really, that feels like it's more of a self-worth and self-esteem issue it's, that is sitting on you instead of blaming somebody else for your own insecurity. It's both. When you are at that level, you know people are watching and you know what you're encouraging. And then also we get to, as humans as society, look at why we are creating that standard for ourselves. Totally. I don't agree. Both sides. I would love to know your thoughts though. Um, Head over to wearechannelq.com to find out more about the story. But hit us up on social. LGT show. um, Because we are literally conflicted with this right now. So that yeah. is that. Mm-hmm. That is that. I'm going to be like Whoopi Goldberg mm. to Megan McCain right now. Mm-hmm. That is that. We got to go. That's your tea report. Get us out of here. Coming up, we're moving on. What could continue to threaten us getting to herd immunity? We have an infectious disease expert joining us for that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A recent NPR Marist poll found that one in four Americans said they would refuse a coronavirus vaccine outright if offered. Another 5% are undecided still about whether they want to get the shot. So with this knowledge, does that put herd immunity at risk? Dr. Amesh Adalja joins us as an infectious diseases expert. Thanks for being here for this. Sure. Thanks for having me. So first again, I feel like we've defined herd immunity so much, but people are still confused. Like what's the the quick context on herd immunity? So herd immunity is the threshold in a population where enough protection has been created either through the vaccine or through natural infection that an infectious organism finds it difficult to spread. So the more contagious a virus is or a bacteria is, the higher the herd immunity threshold has to be. So we're thinking probably... With this virus, 70 to 80 percent of the population needs protection for the virus to really find it difficult to spread. So what are your initial thoughts when you're hearing that one in four Americans said that they would refuse the vaccine outright if offered and then another five percent are undecided? I think that's going to be an obstacle for us to be able to get control of cases uh, and get cases to a level that people are completely comfortable with. And we know that vaccine hesitancy was going to be an issue, especially as we became less supply constrained and we're trying to move into the general population and get vaccines to them. I think we're going to have to be very proactive. People are going to have legitimate questions and we're going to have to be able to answer those questions and provide them with the data. And the vaccine does speak for itself. The data is really overwhelming with the safety and efficacy with uh, so many uh, millions of people that are that are vaccinated on a daily basis. The other thing I would also stress is that even though herd immunity is an important milestone, we will see benefits of the vaccine even before we cross a herd immunity threshold because we've prioritized the vaccine to high-risk individuals, those who are going to require hospitalization. And as we've seen, you've, you've seen nursing home residents get highly vaccinated, and we've seen nursing home deaths and cases go down. We're seeing hospital capacity in most states across the country uh, really not be anything anybody's worried about. It's very different than what it was in the in the winter. And I think that's the result of the vaccine. So we will get to normalcy even probably before we we cross that official herd immunity threshold. That's good. Well, it's interesting because it seems like demand has been outstripping supply. So I guess based on these numbers, that might change just because it's going to be offered to everyone now. Right. And I think the, the, the issue then becomes, you know, will people be able to look at their friends, their family members and see them get vaccinated and nothing happen? And maybe that number of 25% will go down. It seems to have been falling um, from polls that happened earlier on in the pandemic. So this seems to be eroding naturally, I think. And there's just a little bit more we have to do with really uh, detailing people on the on the benefits of this vaccine. And, and hopefully more will take it. Do you think hearing about the variants, because we talked about this earlier in the show, do you think hearing about the variants will, you know, make people want to get the vaccine even more? Do you think that'll even that'll shift their decision making? I think it should, because now you have a more contagious version of this virus that's out there. One that we've seen, for example, people who've had prior immunity get reinfected. And the vaccines are actually better than natural immunity when it comes to variants like 1351, which is commonly referred to as a South African variant. So this is something I think that should push people to do to to really take advantage of this vaccine, because it's going to give you much more durable immunity than than just getting if you if you're someone that's got infected in the past. And the variants are the wild card that really underscores the need to control this virus through a vaccine. Definitely. 
You know, as vaccines are uh, getting implemented and there's states like Texas who said, oh, yeah, mask wearing doesn't need to happen. Those guidelines. I've been seeing this on social media and I'd love you to debunk if this is true, how even with that and uh, that they're seeing a decrease in cases and hospitalizations. So do you think like seeing that in Texas is going to make other states feel like, oh, we don't need to follow continue following these precautions? I think it's important to remember when you look at a state, whether it's Texas or Florida or Michigan, it's not always going to be this linear relationship with a mask mandate versus uh, versus cases because people can voluntarily wear masks. Also, you have to remember that hospitalizations are going to go down no matter what because of the way vaccination is is rolling out. If you're giving vaccine to high-risk individuals who are at risk for hospitalizations, your cases are going to then shift to younger people who are not going to be hospitalized. We're seeing a decoupling, which is what we wanted to see. Okay. And, and I think what we're going to see is masks are going to be part of the guidance, at least, I think, until midsummer uh, at the earliest for most states, because there's still too much community transmission going on to be able to, 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 to do away with masks, because what you don't want is to get contact tracers underwater. You don't want super spreading events. You don't want major disruptions in your businesses. As businesses go up in capacity, masks are going to be a crucial part of keeping them open at that higher capacity. So, Hopefully people don't take the the wrong lesson uh, from all of this. And I think that Texas and Florida have done better than most states in, in terms of where we would have expected them to be with the control measures. But I think there's there's a lot more to explain that than, than just the, the, the lack of masks. There. There's a lot of other variables there. So I would just hope that people continue to wear masks until we get more people vaccinated. Okay, well, that was Dr. Amesh Adalja, infectious diseases expert. Thanks as always for being here. Coming up on the show, what to do if your colleague is taking credit for your work? We've all been there, so we help you out next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Do you have a colleague who keeps taking credit for your work? What do you do about that? Well, we have the author of Harvard Business Review's Guide to Office Politics with us right now, Karen Dillon. Welcome to Let's Go There. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, so I guess this does happen a lot. Has it been happening more uh, during this time working virtually or in person? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that, but I think it is an evergreen issue. I think it does happen in lots of situations, intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah, I feel like there's over and then like m- more subtle times that it happens. Well, break yeah. that down. What do you mean by in, uh, unintentionally? How could that happen unintentionally? Well, I mean, psychologists will tell us that we all tend to overestimate our individual contribution to anything. You know, if you ask five people who worked on a project together how much they contributed, uh, each of them might say 50 percent. You know, it's not possible. It's just human human error. We think we contribute more than we do. So it's possible that we didn't actually have the idea or didn't actually do something fully on our own and we just remember it wrong. And so the person that you think is taking credit for your idea or your work really isn't. You know, it's something it's something in the middle between your version and his or her version. So people are not always you know, ill-intentioned. They're not always trying to steal credit. It just may be they remember differently, they forgot something, or you remember something wrong. That That's a big part of what happened. Yeah, and that's happened with us, actually. I'll, I'll say it, where... Uh, Sometimes, sometimes in our interviews, we would have we would have a conversation about the interview before you know the in the break or before the show, and we bring up all the questions we're interested in asking. Be, like I would think back to the conversation, and just a question would come up from that conversation, but it was Ryan's question he brought up, and so Which that's intellectual property because I intellectually thought of so it. So in my head, I was like, oh, we were talking about as a team what we were going to cover, but then I I understood and I had. Comp- Compassion and like respect for the fact that Ryan thought I was stealing his Not question. Not in the moment she did. Not um, in the moment. And we had a conversation about it. She's trying but to paint a pretty picture was, at this point. Karen. It was rough, what, Karen. What's your advice uh, if this happens, if this comes up? Well, first of all, start start by taking a minute to kind of check yourself. You know, is it really, is this really what happened? Did somebody blatantly steal my idea? Are they trying to embarrass me by taking credit? Or are they trying to make me look bad? Just process it a little bit out of the heat of the moment or the heat of the emotions when you think something like that's happened. Sometimes you will recognize, no, you know what? We did have that conversation by the water cooler. It was, you know, <laughs> we both were talking about it, all that stuff. And by the way, the human mind is capable of doing anything. There's uh-huh. research that 
tells you that you can actually, someone can tell you a story about something that happened to them. And over time, your mind will start to think that that happened to you. And you'll tell that story. <laughs> that sounds crazy. If they don't get it. them a therapist, that it sounds totally crazy. Happens. It totally happens. It totally happens. And then you kind of realize, wait, that, that happened to you, not me. It does happen. So I'm just saying, recognize that we're all human. So don't, you know, immediately go to the sort of angry place to think about, is it possible that it's something that's more gray here? Well, I kind of actually want to keep you on because I I have this thought where I wonder if it's like a culture issue. If people are kind of always on the like, oh, my God, it's someone trying to come at me. Is that more of a company culture issue? And how do you work on that? So we'll keep you around. Don't go anywhere. We're going to go (laughs) to a quick little break and we'll be right back. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are talking about what to do if your colleague is taking credit for your work with the author of Harvard Business Review's Guide to Office Politics, Karen Dillon. Welcome back to the show. I'm glad to still be here. Okay, so before the break, I asked you and I was wondering if it's a culture issue because I do often feel like if people are feeling intimidated by other employees or if there's this negative energy at the workplace that's been established from just experiences, I wonder, does that really encourage that kind of thinking that someone is always out to get you? Oh, definitely. That's a company culture, and that can be really destructive to everybody. And and I blame the culture, and I blame managers who who make that part of the culture, because good managers, good sort of supervisors will help everybody feel like they're contributing to something together, that the team works together, you know, the team wins, we win bad managers will make it feel like you have to compete for your ideas to be heard and and credited and they create a culture where no one trusts anyone and everybody wants to kind of get ahead at the expense of others. I I totally agree. It's a cultural issue and you can make or break that kind of cooperation or that kind of fear based on the culture. Uh, So let's go back to what you said of like, if, if your colleague is taking credit for your work, obviously process it, see if they were actually malintentioned around it. But what if it keeps coming up? What do you do? Well, two different things. You can what, what what I would not do is kind of have a a moment or a meltdown in a public setting. You know, that's my <laughs> idea. You know, I wouldn't do that. I think that doesn't serve you well. But I've learned I think that. You, <laughs> I think you can <laughs> confront the person gently, diplomatically, privately. You know, when we were in the meeting, you said I stayed up all night to to finish the report. We both stayed up all night. And I just wondered if you did that intentionally. Sometimes they didn't mean to. It just came out in a moment of panic, and they would be horrified and, and not do it again and, and correct it. It's okay to do that one on one, but be specific. You know, don't just say you're taking my idea. You, you want to say you said in the meeting this. I think we both contributed to that. Did you do that on purpose? Mm-hmm. Could you correct the record? You can do that. The other thing is not don't be quiet yourself. You know, feel for you to kind of raise your hand or contribute in meetings, make sure people, even if you are not the one making the presentation or getting official credit for the idea, your colleagues will recognize when you kind of diplomatically add details and know the background that yeah. this is something that you that you played a key role into. You don't have to stand on a soapbox and, and shout it. People will recognize mm-hmm. your competence, I think, if you contribute in public settings. And when do you find another job because if it keeps happening it feels like well why don't i just see if i can find some other place that has better culture and just better people working there is well, that like I an do option think I, that is an option but i always tell people it's the last option really to switch jobs you lose so much right you lose the the service you the time you put in there you lose what you build it, it, I, i'd rather see you try to correct the situation at work rather mm. than leave the job because then the credit stealer wins right the credit yeah. stealer gets the ultimate, you know, the ultimate awards and, and you're gone. So I would rather see you take steps slowly to try to correct it. The last one being to go to your boss and, and sort of just make a make a case, not an angry case, but with details. This is I'm getting frustrated because I feel like I'm not credited. This happened specifically. This happened. It might be that you could be separated on different teams. It might be that the boss could be more involved. Hmm. But changing jobs to me is the last resort. You should do it if you're miserable and you can't see a path out, but try to fix the problem before you go. Well, great advice. Uh, Karen Dillon, thanks again for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And check out Karen's book that's out from Harvard Business Review, Guide to Office Politics. Coming up on the show, we've got what's trending this hour, the awkward interview with Representative Matt Gates's lawyer and a plea deal they're working on around all those connections with underage girls. Ugh, that's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
Coming up on this show this hour, President Biden announced new executive actions on gun control, what he wants to actually implement with Politico, and will he get it done? That's coming up in 15 minutes. But first, we've got someone turning this hour, Joel Greenberg, who's a focus on this ongoing investigation into Florida Republican Representative Matt Gates is likely to strike a plea deal with federal prosecutors. His attorney and prosecutor said in court today, and this would put additional legal pressure on the congressman. And um, this interview has come out with Greenberg's attorney, Fritz Scheller, who had a lot to say outside of court or kind of very little to say. And he gave this really awkward interview. People are now referring to him as the dude, which is a nod to Jeff Bridges' iconic role in The Big Lebowski. Does he uh, have anything to worry about? And you're asking me to get into the mind of Matt Gates, right? And uh, Well, from your mind. From my mind. Based on what your client knows. Based on what my client knows. Okay. See, I thought if I kept on talking and talking, I would avoid these questions and, and not to say, um, I'm sure Matt Gates is not feeling very comfortable today. All right. So, okay. uh, yeah. How awkward is that? He's a lawyer. He's supposed to know what to say. He's representing this guy Greenberg. And basically he said Gates would probably be worried right now. That's because uh, Greenberg's possible cooperation with the Justice Department could provide investigators with key details they need to determine whether Gates broke sex trafficking or prostitution laws himself. You know that TikTok uh, song? No, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Whatever. That was a really bad version of it. That's a sad, I don't know. I've oh, no. that one. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll find it for you and play it. That was uh, about this. that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Right? Oh my God! Our favorite pop star queen is vaccinated. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. And if you guessed it right, you are right. Britney Spears, I almost said Beyonce. Britney Spears is shared that she got the COVID nineteen vaccine along uh, beside along aside her boyfriend Sam Asgari, and uh, she's feeling great. But her video is what was really interesting to me. So uh, she announced it on her Instagram. Here's what she had to say. All right. So what did you think of the vaccine? Okay, the people on the internet said it was really, really bad. It was like a bullet going through your arm. It was nothing. I felt nothing. I'm fine, and I hope I continue to stay fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Who has ever said that the vaccine was like a bullet going through your arm? I have no clue. Who has said that? Did have you? Do I you feel like it was anyone? more a punch to your arm? No. Not like a bullet. Yeah, it feels like it your did arm not is punched. Hurt. Well, no, but people do say their arm hurts after the fact, like it's sore. So the saying would be more like it feels like you're punching your arm, not like you got shot in the no, arm. No, but well, you did get shot actually. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, is that's what she's talking Maybe about? She's mixing up the phrases, but you know, it's Britney Spears. Child, I guess if somebody wants to give her some grace and space, I believe it. I like it. I'm just happy she's vaccinated and she's healthy and she's talking and she's doing all the fun things. She does a lot of transitions on TikTok with different outfits that I'm like, where is that outfit from? I mean, I mean, it look she would wear your outfit today. I know me and her two peas in a pod. Oh, my God. I just like reporting on Britney Spears' news. It kind of makes my day, to be quite honest. But that is your tea report. Um, I have covered so many great, amazing... I have done a really good job today. Um, stories. He literally just patted himself on the back. <laughs> he was like... <laughs> I did. I did. And if you want to check out any of these stories, head over to WeAreTurtleQ.com. And, of course, let's keep the conversation going at LGT Show. And you'll always be able to listen to Let's Go there on the odyssey app that's a-u-d-a-c-y i know y'all been hearing the commercials you better have it downloaded that's all i'm saying we're wrapping up the show as we always do with our yes queen of the day yes queen Shaq is making news uh for this random act of kindness so he ran into a random stranger at a jewelry shop earlier this week and decided to make that man's day by paying off an engagement ring he had on layaway. Here Shaq is talking about what happened on NBA on TNT. And then I get some loop earrings and I seen the guy come in. He was just so shy. He was saying, hey, how much do I owe to pay off my ring? It was just, and I was like, my man, I'm, I'm, how much is the ring? And I'm not going to say the amount, but yeah. it's not enough to me, but I just, you know, 
And this is something that I do every day. The other day, me and my mom went furniture shopping, and this lady, uh, she had a autistic daughter, mm. and you know she was also you know looking to pay for some furniture. And I just, I just took care of her. So I'm meant to. Into making people happy. So whenever I leave the house, I just try to do a, a good deed. So yes, Queen to Shaq for, you know, helping this person out and being an all-around good guy. Yes, Queen. And another quick shout-out on our Yes Queen of the Day to Lone Star, well, 911 Lone Star actor, Ronan Rubenstein, who came out as bisexual inspired by his work on the show. We love that. Yes, we do. Oh, also, honorable mention of a Yes Queen. I'm super excited about it. Queer as Folk has been rebooted, and it's coming to Peacock, um, which I didn't mean to emphasize the (laughs) that, but it's coming there. So I'm super excited about it. And I'm also really happy for uh, Ronan, who has obviously been struggling, but his character on the show, his character is gay. Um, he yeah. plays Rob Lowe's son on the show, and he was like hesitant because uh, he's also an Israeli American actor, and he was just hesitant behind the sex scene that was coming up and the steaminess of it. And now he's come to terms with his own his own sexuality, and so yeah, he deserves all the love and support. So if you see him on social, send him all the love and congratulate him for making it happen. Yep, and that's our Yaz Queen of the day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. And that's also it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow, wrapping up the week here at Channel Q, same time, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live on tomorrow's show. Uh, We have the author of the children's book, Our Subway Baby, and his husband, Danny Stewart. They are the gay dads who adopted a newborn baby they found abandoned at a train station. Their story is incredible. That's on tomorrow's show. Plus, if you miss any of our shows or our interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Find our podcast. Subscribe to it. Be part of our podcast fam. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. And stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. <laughs> 